please become a Patreon and support the show. Merci. And now our host, Stephen Lee Morris. In the second of a triptych of interviews with early to mid-career female playwrights from around the world, this week we're joined by Los Angeles-based playwright Lisa Sanaya Drink. Lisa has worked with Theatre of Note. She's a member of the playwrights group at the Geffen Playhouse. She has worked with the East West Players and she has had her work developed by La Jolla Playhouse and is currently in the Play LA Playwriting Development Program of Humanitas. Lisa Sanayadring, welcome to Animal Farm. Thank you. It's good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> you are the second in our trilogy of um, looking at playwrights from um, the United States and around the world of a certain generation and of a certain gender. And um, the first question I want to ask after the interview last week with Dorantina Basha, who talked about the centralization of the theater and how the independent theaters really are filled with enthusiasts and are just so struggling. And although we do not have a state theater in the United States whatsoever, we have a completely different, and pretty much anyone can bring their play to the table and can bring their work to the table if they wish. It doesn't have to be validated by any government agency. That said, the shape, the general shape is, seems to look superficially much the same in that there is a big theater organization that takes the lion's share of funding. Meet, uh, there are mid-sized theaters that struggle the way, say, the city theaters do in, in uh, the Balkans. And then there are these independent theaters run by what she called enthusiasts and people who, who make theater because they have to make theater and they often lose money doing so. I'm wondering from your vantage point as a young playwright in this system, how that comparison actually adds up or does it, or is it just nonsense? I mean, I think it's a great question. Those striations are, I think valid. Yes, you look at LA theater and you see like, you know, just in terms of budget, like what we're doing. And now the enthusiast, it's tricky because as a person who is like raised in LA theater um, in the 99 seat theater world, I do think some of the work is um, virtuosic. It, it's tricky, I wouldn't call it community theater. And then also yeah. part of the reason I love it is because we are enthusiasts. I think in some ways, and this is also because I've never tacked my capitalist hat. I don't even know if that's a phrase. I've never had my dreams on making a living as a playwright, as I think any playwright who understands what the business is, <laughs> is aware of. And so I've always, you know, done it because I felt like I had to do it. And I love that about LA theater. There's a bunch of people who make things because they have to make them. Um, and that being said, I wish there was a way, you know, you see so many playwrights get um, picked up by Hollywood or picked up by other things and taken off um, this market because of that. So I think it's it's a tricky one. And, and then also lack of funding really 
impacts our community too. I mean, even at every level, like, you know, we're all doing something else while we're making theater yes. at the enthusiast level. And so I see productions and you're like, ah, we just didn't have enough time or money for that. Or like, I, I oh, like, oh, that needs another workshop. Oh, it needs to be cooked differently or, or needed more time is really what I see. And so in some ways, I think that's a shame, but then I also love that our community can still put work out in that way and embrace embrace possibility and also the possibility of failure. Um, I think that I love theater because there's a proximity to ephemerality to it. Mm -hmm. I was actually, because we lost Sondheim this week and like, I love how he considers death in his pieces in a way that I yes. like really love. And so I think in theater you're, because there's a transience to it, it is a celebration of of mortality in a way. I think we can consider mm -hmm. death in our theatrical spaces in a way we can't in other spaces. And um, <laughs> the proximity of 99 seat theater to precarity also imposes, <laughs> like in, in a beautiful way, creates um, an economy of this form or, or a, a special quality to the form that I've really loved. Um, so, but yeah, so it's a bummer. I wish there was more money. Yeah. Always, always, that's the eternal. Um, where did you grow up, Lisa, and how did you get into theater? And what made you choose to become a playwright? Um, I was born in Hawaii, and I was, uh, when we were seven, I moved to Reno, Nevada, and I bopped over and went to USC and studied acting. I was an actor, and then I um, joined Circle X and Theater Note really quickly. I did the LA County Arts Commission, and so I worked for Circle X. I became an ensemble member, but I worked. When you say you, know, you did the LA County Arts Commission, are you talking you were you interned? Was you went mm -hmm, to their intern yeah. program? Mm -hmm. As a development um, intern, and then I became a communications person um, under Camille Schenken. And so you know um, the system from the inside a little bit. Kinda, yeah. I've been on staff for a few places. I'm I've been ensemble members, and uh, yeah, I've written lots of grants. <laughs> Don't do that as much anymore. Um, but I, you know, I just wanted to, like, I've stage managed, I've, you know, produced, I just loved making it. And I knew I didn't really know how to make it. And so um, I was doing that in LA for a little bit acting, you know, I understudied at East West in my first like equity gig. And then I went and did an apprenticeship at Actors Theatre of Louisville and acting. And that's also where I started to write a little, I did my first solo piece there in direct. And then I was in New York for a little bit. And the reason why I'm a writer is um, my mom died. So she was diagnosed with cancer very quickly after she passed away. And I uh, traveled for a, a year and a half and I really was ungrounded. My, my father had also passed. And so both my parents, mm -hmm. I was tw 25 and I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, and so then, you know, I thought I'd go to New York and like be a professional actor. Um, but I wanted to be where I felt like I was home artistically and my sister was here. So I came back here. And then um, I just had something I had to say, like I, I had to turn to language in a way to reframe my life in this way and, and to shape my vision of the world. And so I did a solo show um, called Death Play. Uh, and I did a 40 minute version at Son of Semily, Jess Hanna directed it, like Joey Guffman, Kirk Wilson worked on it, people who are now really good friends. And then Circle X picked it up and we did a run at Circle X. Um, and then from there, uh, I got, you know, things opened up. I got into the Vagrancies Blossoming Writers Group and then Rogue Artists and East West Players had me co-write um, Kaidan Project for them. 
and I've, I've gotten in a bunch of writers rooms since then or writers groups, including um, the one that you lead. And it's, it's just unfurled from there. So I think it was just this like, I just needed to, it just came from like something that doesn't even have words, this like pulling. Um, and in some ways, I think I've, I was always a writer. I was just too afraid. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. Afraid of what? Well, I mean, I listen to it. Like, I'm really big on Carl Jung, so they talk about the initial wound. Um, and so I think in many ways, the way I was raised, there was a lack of capacity to speak the truth. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. created a, a really strange relationship with um, my words. And... Um, I think, you know, as an, even as an actor, when I approach it, it's like the text is like, oh, like, I think my study, even like as a director, as an actor, as a playwright, which I think is my like deepest well of writing, it's like, I want to study and celebrate and poke at what language and breath do when it meets the body and how sense and senselessness is, is mingles inside of the body and what, what the alchemy of that does, um, with people. And so in some ways I, I worship words, um, but I think it's been my hardest even now. Um, I mean, now I'm not, you know, hopefully I go a lot further with how I can uh, use words, but um, it's, it's, it's like the deepest um, lesson is learning how to use words and, and trying to find some sense of truth inside of things. Do you find that the truth lies in the words themselves or in the uh, subtext, in the things that are not said, perhaps? The in, latter. Your, in your place, in your place. Oh, God, I hope it's the latter. I think that like all poetic forms sort of only point to the, the, the things that are true are ineffable. Like things that are actually true are beyond our capacity to speak. And so the best, for me, the best pieces of art are like pointing to that which is beyond what can be said. Yeah, yeah. That is what uh, theater is supposed to do. Although, you know, there are playwrights like Oscar Wilde and George Bernard Shaw, where there, there are lecturally plays at, in points and, and, mm -hmm. and the digs and the satire is, is in the words, mm -hmm. not behind them. So it, mm -hmm. it, it kind of, it, it depends, but what you're saying is that's absolutely true for, for uh, particularly in the 21st century style of theater. I wanted to ask about your experiences with the institutional theater. Speaking of telling the truth, can you, can you tell mm. the truth about working at La Jolla Playhouse, for instance, as they developed a play of yours? What was that play and what was that experience like? And did you feel gratified, frustrated, or both? And can you, and can you be candid? I can be candid, but also because I had an amazing experience. So La Jolla is a big deal for Tiny Dring right now to be working with them this summer. And I was like, I directed a show in Cincinnati. I met a, a very smart artist there that I sent to play to. I was like, I'd love to just know your brain on this. He knows um, Gabe Green and he sent it to them. And so La Jolla just called me up and was like, hey, do you want to be a part of DNA New Play series? I was like, absolutely. And so um my friend, Chris Pena is very smart. He was like, you need to use this as an opportunity to hook up with someone, a director that's like big and fancy and really great. And so on my list, I, I asked to be um, working with Ralph B. Pena, who is amazing. 
just like in what he does and also like in the room he's amazing and a good match for me because although I say I love silence like as you know my I can write like a ton of monologues and it's just like so much talking mm. um but they were really supportive and really they gave us a lot of space so I asked Alice Tuan who helped me develop Sumo the play in um East West uh Players Writers Group so she's a huge champion of the work and understood the bones of the piece and is also just a great dramaturg. And so, and she knows Ralph from way back in the day, Ralph produced her first play in New York. And so it was like Ralph and Alice, and then La Jolla would speak to them, but I, you know, the notes I got were directly from them. Um, and it was amazing because it was last summer and we just started to be back in the theater. So uh, we got to use their big space and we got to um, my friend Shiwei did drums and live music, like taiko drums. And so we got to physicalize some of it because it's a play about sumo wrestlers. We also got the most amazing actors I know in LA because no one was doing plays at that time. So we got, I mean, all of them were like the cream of the crop. Um, and then we got to play around with our bodies and do some stuff. Like um, my friend Patrick, who's a sumo wrestler, came in and did a workshop with the actors. And so... And I think the text grew a lot. I rewrote a lot. Um, and it, it was incredible. What was cool too, is that we we showed the play halfway through and then um, like two days later, which was sort of impossible. I think for the director, it was very hard to get the play ready with only a few hours, like two days mm. for a public showing. But as for a writer, it was really useful because then I could feel what worked, rewrite a ton and then bring it back two days later. Mm. Um, and um, I don't, I don't think this is a secret. We're going to do another workshop in LA with, and so Ralph now Mayi is with it. So Mayi um, and La Jolla are co-producing another workshop in um, May, June in Los Angeles of Sumo. And so after the process, we, we had a Chris Ashley, um, Amy Ashton and Gabe Green um, and us did a call and we talked about more notes in the direction of the play and now, you know, dreams of the future. Um, and it was great because like a bunch of LA people got to come down. It was just like everything. I mean, I think in some ways for me, because I've had, you know, being at this stage in my career, I have plays in the drawer and it's a heartbreak, but also the plays that I write like reconfigure all my cells. And so even if something doesn't meet the public, it's done something to me as a writer, as a person. It's And this was a really, a, a text, um, that felt really sacred to me. Sumo wrestling was originally done in front of Shinto shrines. And the original mythology is that they were gods battling for um, Edo, Japan. And so, you know, if you watch sumo, especially in Japan, there's a, there's a ritual to it. There's a sacredness to it that I don't see in American sports at all. And it, it, it's funny because one of the playwrights in our group, Weston, he's doing this amazing play about magic that's just a cipher for being an artist in that devotional practice. And in many ways, sumo was my container for understanding what it is to be a devotional practitioner as an artist. Um, and so, especially after COVID or during COVID, like I was just so grateful that it got to be seen and heard by people, people I love and people I don't know. Um, and I've also like, I'm talking a lot, but I've also, um, you know, had one of my pieces be workshopped by a, like a fancy New York company and nothing came of it. Like we had a great reading. It was amazing, you know, but yeah, it yeah. didn't get produced. And like, I have to just celebrate those moments as I am yeah. like getting yeah. in bigger rooms of being like, this could be it. And this is amazing, you know? And so there's a part of me that's like, oh, 
don't try to hold on to like, oh, will this get a production? Or is this going to yep. be in the season? It's just yep. like, wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the, but we're back to the ephemeral. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. here today, who knows what tomorrow will bring. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's like, because maybe it was only needed for this moment. Like it, sir, you know, it's so much, it's that play has served me in my career so much that I have to be like, does this serve the audience? And the, the mm. market will ask, and this sort of gets in the broader question of being of liminal identities and like, if, if you have those opportunities, but there is something where I think like, obviously I have a spiritual bend. And so I mm -hmm. think like, does this play need to be seen? Um, right. And what is the market? There are a hundred markets and, totally. and, and people in market number 57 are absolutely uninterested in the people who attend market number 98, people in market 98. So there you go. Yeah. So yeah. This, uh, that, that's a complete mystery, um, you, despite the marketing departments who say it's not. I, I, <laughs> it's for I, everybody. I <laughs> it's for everybody. I mean, it's amazing for you to say that as a critic, because I think I'm just learning over the years to be like subjectivity plays a huge role you know of being like oh there's no monolith of culture that decides if this play is good or bad and it makes yes. it bored or not it's yes. just all of us looking at things be like do i like it <laughs> that's right lisa sanaya drink thank you so much for joining us mm, thank you for having me two weeks ago we interviewed Kosovo-based playwright Dorontina Bashar. This week, we interview Los Angeles-based playwright Lisa Sanaya Dring. And next week, we're joined by early career Turkish playwright Denise Bashar from Istanbul. 